All right, today on the Doc on the Run podcast, we're talking about running from fat to fit with Nick, and uh, he is going to help us uh, get a whole different perspective on weight loss and running and how they're connected and some better information maybe about these topics. Now, before we get started in this episode, I just wanted to mention that I've got something I made for you that you're probably going to find really helpful. It's the fast track to recovering running injuries. What is this? Well, really what this is, is helping you figure out a system for deciding whether or not you can actually get on a much faster path than you may have been on. This is not about standard timelines. It's not about some secret recipe other than really thinking about your injury, really figuring out what you can do to make it get better faster, and then how you can get back to training. If you want to get access, you can get it for free at docontherun.com slash fast track. Now, let's get into today's episode. So the big question is this, how are runners like us, who don't like hearing doctors say, just stop running, who know that we simply have to stay active, how do we heal in a way that lets us stay strong, maintain our running fitness, and keep preparing for the next race, and still heal without making the injury worse? Well, that is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Dr. Christopher Segler, and welcome to the Doc on the Run podcast. Um, you know, maybe you've uh, taken some time off because you've gotten injured. Maybe you had a big break from running just because the pandemic race cancellations got you out of the swing of things, or maybe even the holiday festivities got you. And if you gain a few extra extra pounds or maybe even more than a few, you're going to really enjoy this episode for lots of reasons. Now, Nick's a guy I've been following for quite some time, and he's a running coach, personal trainer, and he's the host of the Run to Lose Weight Group. And you might know him from fat to fit with nickcom uh, but we're talking about some special considerations for weight loss and running and about how Nick has actually had some injuries himself, but he changed how he's running. He's never had any injuries since. So Nick, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. It's a, I'm happy to be here. All right, Nick, listen, I'm really glad to have you here today. And I want to just get right into your story. And, you know, I know that your focus uh, primarily with the people you work with, you do a lot of stuff about how to how to lose weight and not just lose weight, so that they weigh less, but to become a better runner in the process. So maybe you could just start out by sharing a little bit about your own weight loss journey, um, you know, from being, as you put it, I think, from being fat and lazy to fit and happy. So <laughs> why don't you just give yeah. us the story behind that? Yeah, I mean, I um, I come, I used to be like a fit background when I was always uh, active when I was younger. And uh, then I had my own restaurant on a tropical island here in Thailand. And it was super seasonal. So you work like 14 to 16 hours a day. Uh, we were very busy. So you not sit at all. And basically grabbing things on the go. And in the end of the night, yeah, you deserve a beer. You deserve an ice cream. You deserve some French fries. And the way uh, I was thinking. And I, put, and I realized I put on weight. Uh, until one day I actually walked out with some snacks and I stepped on a scale outside of the shop and saw that I was 99 kilos. And I had something in the back of my mind that when I was younger, I said, I will never ever reach three digits when it comes to kilos. So I gave the snacks away. I went home, I put the shoes on and I started to go for a walk. And I realized I have to do something. I have to change something because I was 42 at the time. And if I don't change something now, what's going to happen in 10 years? And I had a daughter that time that was six years old. And I want to be there for her. So I decided to make a change. But I've also never been a fan of all these super uh, quick fixes. And it was more about changing your mind and changing your habits and routines. And I started to do that. And then after a while, I got into um, running. Um, and I, I used to run a lot, not for the sake of running, but for sake for other sports. So uh, I used to be just under the national team in uh, rugby, for example, and I run to be fitter or whatever it was. Running was a tool in the toolbox for other sports, but never as a sport itself. And uh, in the beginning, when I started running, I started, like I think most people that especially been active, come back to running and then they start having niggles, small injuries, because you think you're still 20. Um, 
and it doesn't work. And I worked through them and then I had another very small injury and there was, but I really got into the running and I start, and then there was a race in on the island where I was and it was the first race and I decided to sign up for a 35 kilometer trail run and I didn't have a clue what it was. <laughs> so I trained three months to the high season uh, where I was working 14 to 16 hours uh, I could only go out the hottest time of the day because that's the only break I could have. Uh, but I had that goal. I want to do something. I finished that uh, race and I came back and I was tired, but then they sort of ha had a last, like the early bird last day for half Ironman, nine months later. And I go, okay. And I never done a triathlon in my life. So then that was a new chapter. But I... You did a half uh, Ironman as your first triathlon, huh? No, I did a couple of uh, other ones, but that was the one, the first I booked. <laughs> wow. Uh, and I don't come from like the endurance. I was more of a team player, uh, like rugby, volleyball, all that kind of stuff before. And then the reason why I come in sort of, I started taking some courses because I realized like what you're doing is a little bit crazy maybe. Yeah, uh, so I decided I want to be a personal trainer, so I know that I can do things correctly. I can do the correct uh, strength training. I did a running coach, and I never had any thoughts about coaching someone else. It was for me. It was to help myself. Swimming coach, I did a triathlon coach, and a bunch of other stuff. And it was, it sounds like it's a lot of certifications, but it was more just for me to keep on learning more about what I was doing. And then how did I actually, so, so that was a game and I started losing weight. So I was 99 kilos and I managed to go down to about 80 kilos. And now I was really into the running and I really enjoyed the trail running and triathlon. So I was doing, I was doing some stupid uh, travelings just for like a small race. And like, I, I think, you know, <laughs> you've probably done the same, right? Oh, yeah. And and um, now I'm more of a trail runner, and I'm doing uh, at the moment competing a lot in 30, 40 kilometers with quite a lot of climb and technical. And so I guess that that's how I uh, that's my weight loss story, and I like to share my experience with others. Yeah. So I, you know, and this is what I I've noticed about you uh, on all the stuff that you share on social media. You know, I've seen so much of. Uh, you know, your own transformation and also just sort of keeping everything in the proper perspective, because, um, you know, it's not easy, right? Like, uh, you know, you're, the way you just put it all sounds very simple. You just kind of decide, made, decided you want to make a change, uh, didn't want to get to 100 kilos. You're already 99. And then you started to train and then you started to learn more about fitness and in ways that could support your own weight loss journey. But there's several things I think most people don't do. Number one, most people don't make that switch that easily from just literally saying, I want to be there for my child. I want, I, you know, this is not good. And then start exercising that day and then continue through for a decade. Most people don't yeah. really do that. So that's one thing that's really unique in your story, but also that, you know, you learned so much. I mean, you, you know, again, didn't go hire a coach. You became a running certified coach, right? And you learned yeah. all of these different training methods. So you kind of had this massive amount of uh, knowledge that most people don't really have, but knowledge alone isn't really enough. So I would have to imagine yeah. that there were some big shifts in lifestyle for you that you worked through in that process that obviously having gone through them really puts you in a position to help your clients as well, you know, stay on track when they're trying to switch. So, um, you know, maybe you could talk a little bit about that and, and just also the, the mindset of actually doing weight loss for runners, because, um, you know, yesterday I was out on a trail run, I was running up Mount Tam and uh, I was listening to a podcast and it, it wasn't actually a, a running podcast, but the two people working out, there was a guy actually doing a call with his trainer and he, he was, so he was talking about the trainer's methods. And one thing they were discussing was about the idea of cheat meals and 
both of them acknowledge that number one, you shouldn't do cheat meals for a variety of reasons. But um, they were saying that, you know, if you're, if you're going to eat more, like obviously if you're going to eat at some huge meal because you go to like a, a dinner with uh, a, b- a bunch of colleagues at work and, you know, it's not right after a long workout and it's not storing up calories for a workout, it's detrimental to your overall goal. But that there are times like right after you do like one of these, you know, if you do a 35K with lots of climbing, well, you're going to have to refuel. And it's, you know, and and not not condoning the the sort of meal that's just completely off the table in terms of you're not allowed to eat this, you know, but a larger meal can sometimes serve you better if you time it appropriately. But maybe you just talk a little bit about that in terms of, you know, how you made those shifts, because again, in your story, you're telling us about how, um, you know, you deserve to have something good to eat. You deserve to have a beer. And that's sort of like, we think we deserve this or that is obviously what gets us into trouble many times with unhealthy behavior. So how'd you make some of those shifts, you know, as you went through this? That's a really good question because um, when I, this is a lot what I work with my clients as well. Um, most people, they come to me because they want to lose weight or wanna, they want to improve their running. But most, and I, I do most of it online. I do some, I do quite a lot of training live, but I do I do programs online. But most of the things I spend time doing is the mindset, habits, and routines. Because yeah. <laughs> that's what you're going to get. Uh, that's why, I mean, the problem is that when you're doing those fad diets, quick diets, and all this, you, you're just taking away the problem quickly, but you don't actually change the root of the problem. And I think that like the deserve, uh, I'm too tired. You can put a two <laughs> in front of something. Uh, if you can put a two in front of something, most of the time it's an excuse. I'm too busy. I'm too old. That's one I hate actually. Um, I'm too lazy. I'm too tired. Uh, I'm working too much. All of those ones are just excuses. And I think it's important, and this would I I did that. I think that's my biggest experience was that I worked on that, of course, and also learning that there is an excuse. So I have an expression: say, don't use excuses, use uses. <laughs> so you change the excuse to use, and it could be simple, like instead, like they say, like instead of taking the lift, you take the stairs. The, the running itself, you will burn a lot of calories. This is something I learned. You learn a lot of calories, but internet now is flooded with information and people can find as much information as you want. We, we have this new expression called infobees. So like you said, knowledge without using is actually useless. So um, it's true though. I mean, it's you totally can go, we, we can go and we can have hundred hours of how to lose weight within 10 minutes if you go on uh, Google or YouTube or whatever. But why so like 80% of most people who start a diet, they, they fail. It's because they only look at that sort of thing. They don't look at the habits and routines. I think that is one thing to change your habits and routines. And I rather I learned I'd rather be a healthy runner than running to try to be healthy. Mm. They might sound like it's the same thing, but it's not. It's in your mind, you're a healthy runner, which means what is a healthy, then you start thinking, what is a healthy running doing? Yeah. And I think another thing that a lot of people, that I did in the beginning as well, but I learned that life is not perfect. Uh, Life happens. And don't beat yourself up for it. If you happen to, um, which is my one of my favorite foods, pizza, when I'm especially when I do long runs. But if you happen to have a piece of chocolate, if you happen to have a beer, if you happen to have a pizza, enjoy it. Don't beat yourself up for it because when you start to beat yourself up for it, that's when you start to have all the negativity, blah 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 blah, and then suddenly our little friend Homer, which we all have, <laughs> I like to use him. 
Um, he come and started talking about beer and uh, donuts and stuff like that. So I think don't beat yourself up and find what your excuses are. Uh, it's not easy. And this is, I think this is there's a misconception, which I actually sort of dislike a lot, is that people think, people go out there because they want to sell their weight loss program or they want to do whatever. And they say, it, they all look so easy. It's going to be easy. It's not easy. This is habits that we've been building since we were a kid and over a long time. And suddenly in two weeks, you're going to make a difference. It's not going to take time. Let it take time. Uh, there's better to lose two kilos a month and do it over uh, two years um, than losing 20 kilos in two months and put it back on. So I don't know if that answers your question. I got a bit of a carry away there. <laughs> no, definitely. I mean, and, you know, but something you just mentioned was the excuses. And I know one of the things you say all the time is, you know, you have to be stronger than your excuses and their habits. Mm. That These are things that have been built into us for a long period of time. And it's very difficult to work our way out of them on our own. And this is true of so many things. And it, it's, you're right. I see so many things posted where there's workout schedules or, um, you know, things where you can put a tent tent unit on your abs and get bigger abs without working out and all of these things proclaim to be easy but the truth is is that you know there's there's um none of them work well long term because they don't shift anything in your behavior so shifting your behavior actually works but it's true of so many things and the the podcast I was just listening to yesterday was a business podcast and the guy actually said you know that um that ideas are easy, you know, and, but implementation is hard and, and you cannot make progress without the implementation of it. And so, you know, that's part of what's so interesting about your story is that you, you went and got tons of information that most people will never get as runners, you know, with the certifications that you got, uh, but you were able to implement it. And, and that's unique, you know, I really do think it's unique. So, um, uh, but, you know, in terms of when you're when you're working with runners, obviously having that mindset really helps you. But how do you really um, convince them that, you know, you're, that part of your weight loss transformation is also becoming an actual better runner? Like, how does that work into those discussions? Yeah, it's a good. Um, uh, first, I just want to say about it. We, I forget to mention about the cheat meals. Oh, oh yeah. cheat days. I firmly don't believe in that because the, the it's more of a mindset than anything. First of all, I mean, you do have a cheat day. Uh, there's no way you can run it out <laughs> in a week um, without going in with the calories, but that's the way it is. But also cheating is being dishonest. And why is most people overweight and feeling unfit? Well, it's because they've been dishonest with each other. So if he once a day going to be dishonest, what is that going to do to your mental journey? Because it's all, as much as a mental journey as it is a physical journey when you're going to lose weight. It's more of a mental journey, actually. Mm. And But if you come back to uh, the thing with the runners that want to lose weight, and this is quite common now, especially after COVID, that a lot of people that used to be quite active before COVID, they put on 10, 15 kilos during COVID. And they're going to go back out and running straight away. Uh, the way, but they most of the people I start a coach, they they run, they used to run because they need to lose weight. So that's already started putting a negative twist to what it is. What I do, this is this is a tip. And if anyone listening, if you do this, I can guarantee you that you're going to be a long-term runner. And it's so simple. I do it with all of my clients on the first couple of weeks. All my clients, they come in and they believe that now it's going to be a rigid uh, system. We're going to do this. I have to do that. He's going to kick my ass, blah, blah, blah. But the first running experience I want to give them is I say like this, put your shoes on get out of the door and celebrate do like this power motion and go yes and don't be don't care about your neighbors they they might think that you need it but doesn't matter do it like a powerful jess you go for your run and normally I even said 
Don't look at the time. Don't look at the distance. Just go out and enjoy it. If you need to walk, you walk. Then when you come back, you run in the last 10 minutes like you just won a race with your hands over your head. This sounds really, really stupid if you, for some people, but if you think about it, if you, in the early stages of your running, can get good emotions connected with running, what is going to happen with your running? My clients say that after two weeks doing this, they want to go running <laughs> because that makes them feel happy. So that is one advice that I would say that if you want to start running and you haven't run for a while, keep it simple. Go out, have fun, and this, and maybe your neighbor asks if you're okay, and you can ask him to come and run with you. <laughs> um, I don't know if you've uh, tried that, but it's actually really, really powerful. Yeah, it's interesting. There's um, there's a thing that Tony Robbins teaches in terms of that same sort of thing, where you know every time he goes on stage to speak, he does this thing. He has this very specific routine. You know, he jumps up and down a certain number of times. He pumps his hands straight up in the air a certain number of times. And he talks about how you can take these simple physical motions like you're talking about that actually put you in this more powerful pose and creates a completely different emotional state. And he's obviously for many, many years been doing this and he's connected these routines in a way that really he believes, you know, transforms him in a way that makes yeah. him most valuable to all the people in the audience when he goes on stage. And it's the exact same thing you're talking about. It's really interesting. And it is fascinating how it works too, um, yeah. but it does work and that's indisputable. You know, um, so yeah, that's and again, and, and again, like for people who want to lose weight, this is again running. I mean, running is a great way to lose weight, but it's one tool that you have to take. Yeah, if people just go run, yeah, but I run so much, yeah, but that's not going to actually help you if you golf down a bag of chips because you're not going to burn as much calories. You also have to change the way you eat and. I'm really careful of not using diet because I think it's a really burned word that we shouldn't use. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I talk about food habits. We don't talk about diets. I don't I don't give diet program because I know everyone is different. Uh, I do, for example, for most people that start want to lose weight, you use the simple hand method. I don't know if you heard of it. Oh, it's yeah. basically... One to two hands of uh, protein. You have a little bit of uh, carbs, and then I add two uh, fits full of uh, vegetables. Mm -hmm. And it's easy, but eat normally, but just eat more sensible. And one thing I found, which is actually probably the biggest win what I do with my clients, I teach them to read a label. You're laughing, but... No, it's true. There's so many people, they don't know how to read a label. And they don't know that it's actually eight servings and thousand calories in a bag of chips and not the 180 that says on the package. Right. Um, and just being aware, I think it's probably better. I And I do everything like bit by bit. I don't do... Uh, super diets, so I don't believe in that. I believe in that you need to have a sustainable... Everything has to be sustainable. It's all about making better choices. Um, and I think, for example, if you feel like you want chocolate, the worst you can do is say, I, I cannot eat chocolate, I cannot eat chocolate, because all you want is chocolate. Yeah, right. Yeah, so, I mean, I, yeah, I heard somebody say one time that um, the way you can tell if you're on the wrong diet is if you look forward to cheat meal. Yeah. You know, and so, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. I'd never, you know, heard that before. And it, but it really is kind of genius because obviously if, if you feel like you're depriving yourself all the time, well, this is exact opposite of what you're talking about, about how you're trying to get into the mindset of actually that, you know, not that you have to run, but you get to run that you, you know, yeah. you want to run. You are and, lucky to run. You can be happy yeah. to run. And Yeah. Yeah. So um, you know, that thing being happy to run is obviously really important. And for people to get injured, well, they can't run, you know, at least many yeah. of them can't, or they've been told they can't, they can't, they, at least they can't figure out how to do it and not make things worse. Um, but that's actually a big part of running, you know, and overtrain injuries, 
some studies show that, you know, which I don't really believe, but it said, you know, there's a, a study people quote all the time talking about that 80% of runners get uh, injured on an annual basis. I don't really think that's true. You know, at least not what I think of as actual running injuries, you know, that actually take you out. What, what uh, is that, that? Quite an interesting question. I want to ask you, what is a uh, running injury? Because I claim that most injuries that happen with running is a sitting injury, but that's my Yeah, right. I mean, yeah. so, I mean, I, and a, a couple of years ago, I did a lecture at a medical conference called running doesn't cause running injuries, um, you know, and um, but injuries are tough any way you cut it, you know, your, your, yeah. your perspective. And when you get injured and suddenly it seems like, okay, now you can't run and you're just lost. It's really hard. Um, but I really think that, you know, it, first of all, like overtraining injuries are not from training too much. They're from either making mistakes in training or not recovering enough, you know? So like, I believe there is no overtraining. There's only under recovering. And, um, but we all get injuries somehow. And um, so I know you've had some injuries that you treated yourself and you've had some that were treated by doctors, but um, through that process, as I understand it, you did some self-analysis on how you were running and you've never had any injuries since. So what did you discover, you know, through that process and what have you changed uh, that's really helped you? That's good. I mean, I had a, uh, plantar fasciitis, which is quite a normal one in the early. And I got sort of a meniscus, which was that one I got help with. Um, Yeah, what I've learned is that I think too much emphasis goes on, I have to beat this time, I have to do this, I have to get that distance. And we don't actually listen to the body, if that makes sense. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, for example, never use music when I run. Uh, and I tell all my clients not to use music. Um, and they, some of them don't like it from the beginning, but I have a good example. I had one guy, he was, he's been running a few uh, marathons. I'm, I'm training him now, a few half marathons. And it, I actually challenged him to do this half marathon without any music. And he said it was his best marathon, half marathon ever, because he started looking around. He can hear people around him, and he could feel the body when he needed to pull back. I think that so that that goes hand in hand what you said with the recovery. That I think, especially when you start to get older, because when we were twenty, thirty, we can do whatever we want all the time, and we can bash up the body, and the next day we go and do again because we sort of recovered. Um. And I think we are pretty similar, like when running, when I started running in the big first was like in the 90s and it was all about uh, go hard or go home or no pain or no gain or um, what doesn't kill you, what doesn't hurt, what doesn't kill you, make you stronger. So, and I think a lot of people in the 40s, 50s have that sort of mentality from when they were active before, but that and the whole of thing, like the whole, at like every time you're chasing the better time, you're chasing the better time, you're chasing the longer distance, but just by running and tuning into your body, listening to what happens with the body at a time. Like I have a mental list when I'm running. I go, what is my head doing? What's my shoulders doing? What is this doing? What's that doing? What is the hip doing? What is the knees doing? Uh, do I make a lot of sound, which is a good indication that you do something wrong if you make a lot of noise. And that way, and then when you come back and the next day or a couple of hours later, you realize where am I a little bit more sore? So if one side is a little bit more sore, maybe I need to do something to adjust what I'm doing. And I think just by listening a lot of how you run and not... I mean, when the body is not ready to go fast, don't go fast. Um, yeah. I think it's easy to follow a program because I, today I'm supposed to do my 400-meter um, super fast interval training, and you get there and you had a day when you didn't sleep so much, you didn't eat so much, you didn't drink so much, your mind is not really on it, then maybe it's better to just go for a job for 3 or 4K. Yeah, you know, I... In terms of 
trying to avoid overtraining injuries by not making mistakes. Like one mistake is to stick to the calendar that your coach gave you that's on your refrigerator that you stare at every day to stay motivated when you're actually not in a position to actually complete that workout without excessive risk. And yeah. it doesn't matter, even if you and your coach thoughtfully prepared it, we all have days where that happens, you know, and you've got to deal with them. And so when I did my speed work on the track, I had a very simple rule. It's like I had a very narrow window that my pace was supposed to be for mile repeats. And the rule was anytime that I had two that fell at all outside of that range, I was done. And I had one where I was doing uh, 12 mile repeats that day. And on the first one was okay. Second one, I literally on the second one, I was off by just a few seconds and I was struggling already. And then the second one, I went around and I was off by almost 10 seconds for that mile. And I was just like, I was kind of dumbfounded because that had never happened before, but I was like, wow, you know, bad idea. And, uh, and I just picked up my water bottle and went home. And, and so what was supposed to be a a really hard, long, long ish workout was very short, but I really believe that like, when you're in that position, it's like, if your body is doing that, it's like, you're either about to get sick or you're about to get injured. And those workouts, when we force it makes us sick or injured. And it's, it's not easy, you know, uh, anytime we, obviously we start getting these aches and pains and niggles and all that, it's really, um, hard to stay on track, you know, and, and yeah. you obviously, I think you went through this where when you start running, obviously if you're one, running to lose weight and you really are overweight, well, presumably it's harder on your joints. And I see people who will tell me that, you know, they have foot pain. I said, well, my doctor said, if I lose weight, that foot pain will go away. I'm like, okay, well that maybe, but uh, I don't really know that that is the solution to your problem in your foot is yeah. losing weight. It's I agree. Not, you know, maybe, I, but, but, you know, it's good, it's good to look at the technique and get the technique better. And when you lose weight, you will have less impact on what you're doing wrong. But you still, I mean, even if you are a very light runner, they still get injured, right? For sure. But this is the thing is I always wonder uh, when, Somebody is really, you know, taking on a program of running and they're trying to lose weight and they have these aching joints and stuff. And, and, and I think there's a lot of kind of misinformation about, um, you know, whether or not running is good for you if you're overweight. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. it's, I think it is, but I have a, actually that one, I have a really good uh, story about that from one of my clients, my recent clients. Um, he was. Training with me, he came in and he was about 40 pounds overweight or 40, it was then it was 50 pounds overweight. Uh, it's a guy in Canada. Uh, I can name it, mention his name, Brian, because he's, he's actually a nice guy. You've probably seen his uh, things that he posed. He um, used to be active, same as everyone. He's in his late 40s, uh, turning 50 soon. Uh, he put on the weight and he said for 15 years, when he go running, he had pain in his knees. And he had to ice his knees every time he ran. Of course, he's not going to be a runner. <laughs> so what I did, and this was in the beginning before he lost so much weight, I um, analyzed the way he ran over video. Um, I got all the angles and I, I told him a couple of uh, changes. And within two weeks of me coaching him, he he we had a call. I remember he was nearly crying because he and this is a guy who's nearly 50. He was nearly crying, saying, I run and I don't have pain in my knees anymore. And that was so would that have helped that it was 40 pounds lighter? Yeah, maybe, but because we corrected his actually technique for him that worked for him, we took away the course. Instead of uh, instead of putting pills for the symptoms, we find a course. And I think that's what you're doing a lot as well. I mean, a lot of people think like, oh, I got a knee problem. I need to stop running. No, you got a knee problem, so you need to stand when you work. Basically, it's <laughs> that's a simple solution. But for a lot of people, that will make a difference. Totally. And so 
so for him, he lost 40 pounds. Uh, he was excited because he got under one hour for 10 Ks and he didn't have the pain in his knees. And that was just because we adjusted what he was doing. And I think that's what you said with the training program as well. There's so many people, they throwing the training program at you and then they walk away and they see you in two months. I think it's important that you have dynamic. And well, I am a coach, but also I believe that having a coach, this is what a lot of people don't understand. Even people ask me, why, how can you be an online coach? Well, I'm there so I can see your progress. Uh, I can analyze what you're doing and I can adjust the program after where you are at the moment. Which is if you have a piece of paper, you have to follow. I, I've done a couple of these programs and I'll be honest, I did like a 12-week, I tried a 12-week half marathon program. After eight weeks, I was so sick and tired of it because I had to go and do my this, I had to do this. I had, and it was sort of, yeah. So I, this is a sort of, Yes, weight will make more injuries appear. Or like, you probably notice the injury earlier if you have a lot of overweight, but they're still going to come because you are you are running wrong. Right. If that makes sense. Absolutely. And, yeah. uh, you know, that it really is that. So I, I had a similar experience where I had literally decades of shin splints and shifted the way that I ran. And not so two things happened that were really interesting is that one was my next marathon was 40 minutes faster. Oh, no, that's not true. 20 minutes faster. Yeah. 20 minutes is a lot of time on a marathon. That's a lot. I mean, it really is. And and I was consistent for years, you know, and what my marathon times were. And then suddenly I just chopped 20 minutes off. But also just after really evaluating the way that I ran, well, I've never had shin splints since not one time ever. And, um, you know, and, and so it, I was running wrong, obviously, for me. And everybody's different. So the things that need to shift are different. So it's not like the things that I did would fix everybody's problems because everybody's unique. So you've got to have somebody that can look at it like you're talking about. You basically yeah. analyze their run form, you make a couple of suggestions, and you switch. And yeah. uh, and and then things are different. So I'm sure for him, it's obviously really made a tremendous difference from him. And then also even shifting that mindset from having to run to being able to run when you, you, he's had that kind of transformation has to be really, really helpful. And now he, love, now he loves running. He can't be without running because he loves it. It's, it's just like a passion. Okay, so let's take that same guy, right? That he obviously, it's made this whole shift. It's like literally brought him to tears just being able to run without this knee pain. Let's imagine that he signed up for an event and got a stress fracture. And someone told him that he couldn't run for weeks. So, you know, you know, he's going to lose fitness. You know, he's lost fitness if it's been weeks. If he came back to you and said, okay, I was doing great, but I got this stress fracture. Some doctor told me to wear a boot for a month and I didn't run at all for a whole month. And then finally, you know, comes to you and says, okay, I just got cleared to run. I don't want to have this again. What would you tell him to do? You know, when it's like, okay, the doctor says you can run, you know, take off your boot. You can go for a run. Um, I think because I think doctors give the worst advice when it comes to this, truthfully, yeah. um, you know, because and I, I lecture at lots of medical conferences and I always tell them this is a huge mistake. You're taking somebody who wants to run, who still has the mindset of somebody that thinks, well, I could just go run 10 miles today. And they've been completely debilitated by the boot. And you tell them, OK, you're done with the boot. Uh, it looks good on your x-ray. Uh, go ahead and go for a run and just let pain be your guide. And, and that does not really work well with runners because, you know, a lot of them still have that no pain, no gain mindset and they run themselves right back into a different injury. So what, what would advice would you tell somebody um, when they're coming back to injury like that? I think it's also, there's a similar, like uh, with the clientele I work with, like the 40, 50, like the 40 plus is that most of them were active in till they were 30, 35. And then, career, family, things happen and they sort of get off. It's just like you have to have a before and after. And the before, just forget about it. <laughs> I know it's hard. I mean, um, I basically did this now. When I when I turned 50, 
I, I still remember, but I raised all of my whatever running record I have because I'm in a new age category now. So I cannot compete with me 10 years ago. Or I can, but most people cannot. But uh, so I think it's also like this is the situation. You have a new start. If you start to think like six months ago, before I had this injury, I could run 5Ks in 25 minutes. That's where you're going to, because then you're going to start to stress yourself to get there. And I think also let it take a little bit of time to recover. Let it, like, again, this is a time that I would tell you to take your iPod and throw it away or put it away. Uh, go running and go by feeling. And slow down. And if you need to walk, it's okay to walk because it will take some time to get back into it. Um, and, I, and I also think that it's important because if, especially like you said, if he's been in sort of in a cast, it's important to do some strength training because you're going to lose a lot of strength and, um, getting the right strength training for what you need for that moment, depending on your injuries, I mean, depend, we all know it's different, but the strength training for running is also quite an important part of what to do. But I think the whole thing is that it's too easy to like, in my case, because I, I don't work with so much with injuries, because uh, I usually tell someone to go to physio. <laughs> uh, but for someone with a weight loss, I said, like, you cannot, you're not 30 anymore. This is what you start now. And don't rush it. Let it take some time. Because otherwise you're gonna, like you said, you're gonna have overcompensate and you got an injury somewhere else. Because you're still a little bit scared of what happened with that knee. So then, if it's a right knee, you're probably gonna start to have a problem with your left hip. Uh, so it's all listen to your body, listen to the signs. Because if you go running and you suddenly feel somewhere else you have a problem, that's a good. That's a good like ah. I need to change something. And then you have to try a little bit different. And it seems like it's so popular now. Like, yeah, I have a problem. I changed my shoes. Right. <laughs> but it's more, it's so much more behind. Right. Definitely. You know, and all these little things make such a difference in terms of the risk that goes into getting an overtraining injury. So yeah. does shoes matter? Sure, they matter. But I run in four different kinds of shoes. I don't want to run in one shoe all the time. I uh, use different shoes for different workouts. I think it spreads the stress out, uh, but it's all about stress reduction because every overtraining injury is really a stress-related injury. You know, they're not, it's not just biomechanical stress. It's emotional stress. It's physical stress. It's hormonal stress, environmental stress. They all add up. And, you know, when we talk about most of the stuff that we, you know, stress that we as physicians talk about, it's all biomechanical stress. That's all we ever talk about is, you know, yeah. running form impact, all this stuff, but there's all these other things that add to it. And even, you know, like your diet, right? You have to have food. If you do not eat, you're more likely to get a running injury. That's for sure. Yeah. If you don't yeah. hydrate, you're more likely to get a running injury. And for some people, when they're living, if you don't sleep enough. Yeah, you don't sleep. Exactly. So this is not good. Right. And um, if you, if you don't sleep after your hard training days, your risk of not recovering obviously goes up. You didn't sleep enough. You don't get stronger when you're running. You get stronger when you're sleeping after the recovery, Yeah, uh, you know, when, through that recovery process. But when you, you know, I know that you live on a tropical island in Thailand and like I do. Oh, I uh, used to. Yeah. Well, okay, well, yeah, but yeah. I, um, you know, I think you, you, through all that, you've learned really how to deal with the heat and humidity and, and that's a real challenge. You know, like I, um, I'm licensed and do telemedicine uh, consultations in California, Texas, and Florida. And for the most part, Florida and Texas are really hot and really humid and California is not. And in California, we're really spoiled. You know, you can wake up in the morning here and it can be in the, you know, fifties or sixties. And in, and if you wait until the afternoon, it might be in the seventies or eighties. And so you can choose, do you want to run when it's like normal marathon race temperature, or do you want to race or do you want to go run when it's hot? But in places For like, me it's Texas, nice and cool. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. So, but in places yeah. like Texas and Florida, well, you, you don't have that option. It's going to be hot all the time and humid all the time. 
And it's a lot more difficult to stay hydrated and make sure that you're really, you know, appropriately fueled and, you know, and your body's lubricated with fluids uh, to make sure that you don't get an overtraining injury. So, you know, what are, what can you share a little bit about that, about the heat and humidity effects on endurance training and maybe some of your tips, you know, from your experience in Thailand? It's good. It's a good question. I'm actually, I didn't tell you, but I, I did a science-based paper about just uh, running humidity. So uh, I, so I mixed it a little bit with the, some the testing they've been doing and also my own experience. But let's do my own experience. It's more fun. Uh, when you re- I lived in an island in Thailand and we basically, I don't know how much is in uh, Fahrenheit, but it's about 35 degrees, 100, I guess. Mm-hmm. Pretty close to 100. Yeah. And humidity is like 80, 90%. Right. Um, and to explain that is basically if you shower and hang your hand, uh, towel outside, it will not dry. Right. That that's uh, and I was running in that. And I learned a lot. And I think the first first I would um, suggest is uh slow down. Uh a lot of people think, yeah, but I have to run this, blah 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 blah. No, you slow down because your effort, uh all the research shows that your effort and your heart rate and everything is actually going up by quite a lot when it's hot, so you can go slower and you get actually good training. Uh, Another thing is hydration, hydration, hydration. (laughs) Uh, You need to drink before you go. Uh, If I go for one hour when it's really hot, I always bring water with some electrolytes as well. So electrolytes is basically uh, to, because you're sweating a lot of salt and you need to add a little bit, like add some minerals. But also people say, yeah, but it's only one hour and the body can uh, handle one hour. But it's not so much about that. But if I don't drink for one hour, I lose one hour of that I have to catch up. Mm-hmm. So yes, those ha- this half liter drink in one hour, um, it's not going to help me for that run, but it's going to help me to recover later. And yeah. then when you come back, make sure you drink. Um, there's also... Um, one thing is to be able to cool yourself off. So if it's, you see a lot of the Kenyan runners that they run and they run into the shade, they run, they run into the shade, and that little part of shade makes an absolutely massive difference. And don't be shy. If you see a stream you see someone's uh, some water emerge itself in water is one of the absolutely best ways uh, that is one thing i would say and like for me i um, i do it in races even when i if i do a race and i see a stream i lie down quickly in the stream for one minute and the last race i did was a trail race i actually beat the last two people to take the fourth overall male because i was actually cooled off wow that's interesting. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, but it's really it dramatically lowers your temperature, right? Yeah. And here's another thing that I do, um, which is really good. Uh, take a bottle of uh, water and put it in the freezer. And then you bring that bottle and it's a perfect way to cool yourself off. First, you can use sort of the cool bottle and then you can pour the cold water on you. Yeah, And you it's know- easy enough to bring with you. It's interesting. I've seen people um, in some of the really hot Ironman races do that where they actually will take, they'll take a glove and, you know, like a a cloth glove. And basically at every one of the aid stations, they just fill it with ice, you know, and they keep the, mm-hmm. and because you can lose a lot of heat transfer if you have a glove that's, you know, filled with ice water, basically. Mm-hmm it really does dissipate heat and and that does keep your heart rate down you know it's interesting right but and also what you can do a a trail a trail trick that uh, you can see is a we trail runners we love a buff (laughs) because buff is the it's basically a tube tube of fabric which is you can use for a hat you can use this as a scarf you can use this i usually always have one around my arm 
if you cut yourself, it's a good thing to wrap. Yeah, uh, but also if you have a good one, you can actually fill it with ice and put it around your neck. Mm-hmm. And that's quite a popular way. Yeah, I know my wife. Every time she do trail race, when she get to an aid station, this is more if you do racing. It's not so much for normal. She fill up the the bladder for the water pack full of ice, so that will cool off the whole of your back as well. So that is another thing you could do if you have a very like a backpack that is not too bouncy. You could basically have a couple of bottles of frozen water there, and that will really cool off your back. And that's a big that that's a big area to actually cool off. Uh, that's really interesting. I mean, that's um, these are all things you don't really think about, right? That you know how yeah. the little techniques can make such a big difference. But obviously, when you have a lot of experience and you work with lots of runners, you get lots and lots of experience, way more than just doing it yourself, because you get these experiences with all these people that you have these relationships with. Um, you know, and so I, you know, I know Nick. Like so much of your story is just—it's interesting before and afters, right? Like really yeah. interesting, and in your perspective on it is obvious that you haven't just been transformed physically. It's kind of a lot of mental transformation, uh, maybe even spiritual transformation. I mean, this really affects us as runners in in unique ways. Um, but I'm just curious, like, you know not just weight loss, but how has your whole path over the last, you know, 10 plus years changed you as a person in terms of your ability to, to help people with their struggles just because of the path you've been on? That's a good question. Again, it's, um, I think my experience, I can be in their shoes, so to say, I've been there. And I managed to change the way I do. Uh, and I feel like I like to share my experience and my knowledge with others because if someone, if I can help someone to be feeling a, like a better runner or getting, the, the funny thing is, how can I say that? Most people come to me, like I said before, they want to lose weight or they want to get into running or they want to be healthier. And I work mainly with, sort of guys between 40 and 50. I would take female, but yeah, I, I, this is my main group I work with. Uh, and But when I've been working with them for a while, the big win, for example, uh, Brian, his big win was that he can actually look himself in the mirror and feel happy. It's not so much about that he actually, uh, yeah, he lost 40 pounds, which is really good. Uh, he can run under one hour, but the big win for him was that he had the confidence again. He liked to buy, like, we are, especially in our age, we don't really want to admit that we are a bit like looking at clothes and yeah, that's for ladies, but we are doing that. And for them to be able to go and buy clothes that actually fits them well, they feel good with them, looking in the mirror, that is sort of the big win for them. And that is, that's a big win for me as well. Because when people say that, then I know they changed the way they think. And I think my experience, because I mean, uh, I usually, I mean, I lived on a tropical island. Uh, I was 99 kilos and I didn't like to go to the beach because I didn't like to take my shirt off because I used, to, I, I used to joke about it. I don't want to take my shirt off because maybe Greenpeace come and push me back in and think I'm a whale. Uh, I know it's a bit crude to say that, but that's the way I felt. And this is the way a lot of people feel. And a lot of what we do in life is about emotions. Emotions runs everything. So I've been there and I've done that. And I think I lead, I try to lead in a good example and I'm I'm doing things. uh, I know a lot of people are inspired by me because they tell me that you inspired me to start a run. You did this. I follow you. Uh, and uh, these are the people who come out and tell it. You always always have a lot of people behind that you don't know. You don't know who you inspire. Yeah, so I don't know if I answer your question again because I might. Oh, yeah. No, that, that's fantastic. I mean, it's true, right? And and it like I've had people who are not runners, like one of my really good friends at one point, 
after years of just posting some stuff on on my workouts and basically that I was, you know, some thing about being grateful to actually be able to go do a bike ride or, or a long run and, you know, all that stuff. And she's somebody I've known for many, many years. We were having uh, dinner one day and she said, you know, the stuff that you post really makes me want to go out and enjoy California more. And I had no idea that she even saw my stuff on social media. And and you never yeah. really know who you're going to help or encourage just by your course in life, right? So it's um, obviously you affect a lot of people and reach a lot of people and a lot of people follow you. And some of them, you know, and some of them, you probably don't. Um, yeah. But for the people that, you know, work with you directly, I know you said it's usually, you know, men in their 40s and 50s. So is that really who you who seem to gravitate toward you and you feel like you can help the most? Yeah, I mean, I think so, because we are in, it's easy to connect because, I mean, we are in the same sort of demographic. We probably most been active when we've been younger and then life happened for 10 years or COVID happened for two years. Uh so yeah, I can relate to a lot of things and a lot of them, I don't know, it might sound like braggy, but they want to be like me in a way. They they have something that they want to try to get to that goal. There's a lot of them that come in and they want to, they start with the running and they end up doing half marathons. And, and in fact, actually I have one here now in Chiang Mai with me where I am in Chiang Mai in Thailand. It's a guy that I trained online and his story is even more amazing. He lost, he was 130 kilos three years ago. And when I started coaching, he was 105 and we got him down to 85 and he was traveling here to Thailand to do a trail around 24 kilometers now and did well. Wow. So this is this is why I'm this is why I'm doing this. Of course, you have to make a living, right? But the reason why I'm doing this is because I can see he have a completely different life now, and this is this is quite powerful for me. Uh, and this brings out like really cool emotions. So this is actually something that I uh, and I think I am more of a person to try to find solutions of things than just having the program and i think why people would like to train with me is that i'm not perfect um i think a lot of trainers out there they are portraying themselves too much to be the perfect fit with like six pack and all that but they don't they don't share about themselves. They don't share the real person. And I think I am all about real. I'm all about real. And uh, I think my clients respect me because I tell them if something is not good. I'm very straight with the way I'm not going around in circles. But I also are very good at telling them to support them. And I think the support, accountability, and also sort of... Uh, the social aspect, I guess. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And, uh, you know, it's, it is that, right. You've got to have a coach. I mean, you're having a coach to keep you in line, right. But it's yeah. not just, um, telling you what not to do. It's obviously celebrating your wins as well. And it's clear with all your stuff on social media that you know how to do that. So, uh, for those people listening who, you know, want to reach out to you directly, uh, I think it's run to lose weight, the Facebook group, uh, that's, I think your, uh, Instagram as well. Where, where are the best, best places for people to get a hold of you directly and work with you? It's, uh, either on LinkedIn, uh, under my name, Nick Bonadol or Facebook, uh, just send a friend request. And I'm, I also don't take all people who want me to coach them i want people who sort of already are in the thing because a lot of people a lot of people are just jumping between different programs but they're not really ready um i i can help a lot of people but i need people who are motivated they want to make a change and they're ready to they realize it's not a quick fix of magic i'm not gonna i'm the coach i can help you but you do the work right yeah yeah well that's the big thing right so all right, Nick Bonadal. So we'll have uh, all those links to your to your LinkedIn profile, uh, your Instagram, Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, all of those things. We'll we'll have um, 
uh, in there in the show notes for this particular episode. So if you go to docontherun.com, click on the podcast tab and go to the show notes, uh, all these links will be there so they can access you directly. Um, well, listen, Nick, I know that, uh, you know, with the time change, it's, um, over here, it's before most people are awake and over there, it's like when most people are going to sleep. So uh, I appreciate you taking time out of your schedule and figuring out a way to make this work so that we could actually get you in front of uh, all the people who listen to the Doc on the Run podcast. So it's really been great to get to chat with you and get your perspective on running to lose weight. And um, I think a, a lot of people are going to get a lot out of this episode. For, so thanks so much for taking the time to do it. I will say one last thing. Um just take the first step. Take action and take the first step. Don't overthink. Take the first step. All right. Now, I mentioned this earlier, but there's a thing I put together for you. It's a presentation. It's a deep dive into a way that you can actually fast track your recovery from a running injury. So if you've got an injury and you're trying to figure out what can I do, how can I get better faster, you got to come check out the fast track. It's free. I'm going to show you some things to do. I'm going to give you some things to do. I'm going to give you some worksheets to print out. If you don't do them, it's not going to help you. So if you're not willing to put some effort into this, don't bother. But if you really want to try to figure out how to get moving quickly, come check it out. You can get it for free at docontherun.com slash fast track. So come check it out and I'll see you in the training.